Stephen Andrews. Oh, okay. Stephen Andrews has the message, the sermon today. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Sir, if you will come. I do appreciate uh, Ken's choice of songs today because they fit right in with the message that I'm going to bring today. And I do appreciate that. On this Thursday evening, we will all be gathered here. Uh, those that can uh, will be gathered here. And those that want to do it in their home and um, for the Passover service. Well, interestingly, we'll be bringing pans and towels, kind of different than what we normally do. And we will be serving the Passover sacraments on that evening. Paul set us an example. Also, Jesus, of course, set us the example. But he, he made us these comments in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. He says, For I have received of the Lord, so it came right from Jesus, that which I delivered unto you. And I apologize to um, Brian. I only had just a few scriptures here, and I decided to add this one. And I, um, that the Lord Jesus, the same night that he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and, he, and, after, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, or the New Covenant, and the New Agreement, in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show, or you do proclaim. That's what we're doing every year, once a year, the Lord's death till he come. Paul went on because they had problems in Corinth with maybe the cedar meal or maybe just eating and drinking. But he was a little upset with them, and he wanted them to examine themselves. And he says in verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, and if you go and look that up, it means irreverently or in a wrong spirit, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat that bread and drink that cup. So that's what we do before we come together on that evening to partake of those sacraments that Jesus set, set aside. In the, and Paul also said this in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 7. And actually, I want to just go to the last part of this because I want to emphasize this. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And it's interesting, I looked it up and I was uh, meditating and thinking about what this said. And I went to the Phillips translation that says, we Christians have had a Passover lamb sacrificed for us, none other than Christ himself. In the Old Testament, they would choose a lamb. They would, uh, without blemish, 
of, the, of, of a year old, and they would bring it, and that would be their, their Passover lamb. The father chose his son to be that Passover lamb. God chose his son, the lamb, without blemish for this sacrifice. How important is that night that we come together? And it says, remember what Paul said, on that night. So at sundown, Thursday night, we will be here and we will be observing that Passover service. The Lord's Passover service. Jesus knew, probably from a very young age, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, as we think about what would it be like to know how you're going to die, approximately when you're going to die, what, how much you're going to go through, and how difficult it's going to be. Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus is you know, relating, of course, always to his disciples and teaching and training. And, and, and beginning in verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Well, it's not the only time that he, he brings this up more than once, but at this time, it's very important. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be to you. And he turned to Peter and said, Get you behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Jesus had to pray for Peter. Because Satan wanted Peter so bad. Instead of Judas, he wanted Peter. And he prayed for him. That he would be uh, kept from that temptation. And we know even, that, even with that, he was still denied Christ. I am, uh, because part of the proclamation of the gospel message is what Jesus went through. I have found, uh, and for, for all of you that have it in your bulletin, and I don't know how uh, I'm going to put it together, but I wanted to be, we don't have, usually have the time at night to go through all of this, but I have what I have found, uh, I can't even remember where I found this. It's called The Seamless Gospels. And it's by Charles Roller. And um, he doesn't say he was a pastor or anything. He's just, he's just a devoted Christian who felt that the, the, the Gospels should be seamless, that you should be able to read through them and take all of that through and, and go through it. And so today I would like to go and read just one chapter, uh, well actually there's three chapters in this section. And the section is part two, it's called Betrayal, Trial, and Death. So as we prepare our hearts and our minds, we know that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But he told us to remember his death so that every year when we come together for the Passover service, that's what we're doing. We're remembering the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that needs to be on our mind and our heart. So that we come with the right kind of attitude and the right kind of spirit before the Father and Christ, as they will be watching all of us who are keeping that. 
That's interesting, isn't it? That he set that aside for us. So I would like to begin to read. You have a copy of this, and um, as I go through, I'll try to read the headings, and hopefully I'll be able to keep up with that. And, and, um, and David already went through this part on Gethsemane, but I, I want to go ahead and, and start there because, just like David said, there was this agony, this deep um, need to go to the Father for that strength that he needed to go through what he know, knew was going to come. And I, I think that um, it is very important that we begin at that particular point. So, uh, the trial before dawn, Gethsemane, Jesus prays in agony. When Jesus had spoken these words, he came out and went forth over the book Kedron. Where was a garden, as he was accustomed to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him, and they came to a place which is called Gethsemane, into which he entered and his disciples. When he was at the place, he said to them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. He took with him Peter and the two sons, Zebedee, James, and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. And he went forth forward about a stone's cast and kneeled down and fell on his face and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He came into the disciples and found them asleep and said unto Peter, Simon, do you sleep? What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again and second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Being in agony, agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them asleep again, sleeping for sorrow, for their eyes were heavy. And he said unto them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And neither knew uh, they what to answer him. And when he left them, he went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. He came to his disciples the third time and said unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, it is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrays me is at hand. Judas betrays Jesus. Immediately while he spoke, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and scribes and the elders of the people. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place where Jesus often met with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said to them, Who do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, 
They went backward, fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, uh, let, their go, uh, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which spoke. Of them which you gave me, I have lost none. And while he spoke, uh, he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew nearer unto Jesus to kiss him. Now, he that betrayed him had given him a sign, saying, Whosoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him, and lead him away under guard. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said unto him, Friend, for what purpose are you come? And they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And when they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus said unto Peter, Resist no more. He touched his ear and healed him. Put up your sword into the sheath, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Do you think that I cannot now appeal to my father, and he shall send at once, given me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That thus it must be, the cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? And Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which came to him, Are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves to take me? When I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled, and there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Jesus is seized, seized and taken away. Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus, bound him, and led him away to Annas first, for he was a father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas, he was, which gave advice to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, and brought him into the high priest's house, where the chief priests and the scribes and the elders were assembled. And Simon Peter followed Jesus afar off unto the high priest's palace, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside and then went out that, out that other disciple which was known unto the high priest and spoke unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. And when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the hall and were seated together, Peter sat down among the, the servants and warmed himself in the fire to see the end. The council questioned and struck. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogues and in the temple. 
where the Jews always met, and in secret have I said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest so? Jesus answered, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But I, if well, why do you strike me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, counsel the false witnesses. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none, for many bore false witness against him. But their witness had not agreed together. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood at the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it which, uh, which these witnesses against you? Counsel, questioned, and beaten, Jesus held his peace, answered nothing. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I charge you by the living God that you tell us whether you be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said unto him, you, You've said, nevertheless I say unto you, here, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power, coming in the clouds of heaven. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need we of witness? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and struck him. And some began to spit in his face. And the servants did strike him with the palms of, his hand, of their hands. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy unto us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? And many other things blasphemously spoke they against him. Counsel outside. Peter denies Jesus. Now Peter sat outside the palace and the servants and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, and for it was cold. And they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And there came one of the servant girls of the high priest that kept the door. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she closely looked upon him and said, Are you, are not you also one of the men's disciples? You, you also were of Jesus Galilee. But he denied him before them all, saying, I know not, neither do I understand what you say. And he went into the porch, and the cock crowed. And when he had gone out of the porch after a little while, another girl saw him and said unto him that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. They said therefore to him, Are you not you also one of his disciples? And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And about the space of one hour later, one of the servants of the high priest, being his relative whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did not I see you in the garden with him? Surely you also are one of them, for you are a Galilean, for your speech betrays you. 
But he began to curse and to swear, saying, Man, I know not what you say. I know not this man of whom you speak. And immediately, while he had spoke, the cock crowed the second time. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me three times. And when he thought thereupon, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Counsel, condemned to Pilate. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders and the people and the scribes plotted against Jesus to put him to death and led him into the council, saying, Are you the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Are you then the Son of God? And he said unto them, You say that I am. They said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. The whole multitude of them arose, and when they had bound Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Judas hangs himself. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he had condemned, repented himself and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see that? And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It's not lawful to put them in the treasury because it's the price of blood. And they conferred and bought with them the potter's field to bury foreigners in. Therefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. The Roman trial before Pilate accusations. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him unto you. And then said Peter, and said Pilate unto them, Take him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It's not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what the death he should die. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding uh, to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Before Pilate, king of the Jews. Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, You say it. And the chief priests and the elders accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? Behold, how many things there they witness against you. But Jesus answered and said never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, 
Do you see this thing of yourself, or did others tell you it of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were this world, then my servants would fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said unto me, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king? To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into this world, that I should bear witness unto the, uh, the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and said to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault with this man at all. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching... Uh, throughout all Judea, beginning with Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself was also at Jerusalem at that time. Before Pilate sent to Herod, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long time because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracles done. Then he questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. The chief priests and scribes stood and strongly accused him. Herod, with his men of war, rejected him, mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. That same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at hostility between each other themselves. Before Pilate, whom to release? And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, he said unto him, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverts the people. Behold, I, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man concerning those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor Herod, for I sent him to him, and lo, nothing deserving of death is done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Now at that feast, the governor was accustomed to release unto the people one prisoner, whomsoever they desire. And there was then a notorious prisoner named Barabbas, which lay bound with them and that had made insurrection with them and who had committed murder in this insurrection. Before Pilate, crucify him. The multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever as he had ever done unto them. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate answered them, saying, Whom are you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For you have a custom that I should release unto you one of the, at Passover. Will you therefore that I de uh, release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. When he had seated on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should rather release Barabbas unto them and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Which of the two will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. And they all cried at once, saying, Away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. And who, for a certain insurrection, made in the city, and for the murder 
was cast into prison. Then they all cried, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And Pilate answered and said unto them, What will you then that I shall do with Jesus, which is called Christ, whom you call the King of the Jews? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And they cried out again, Crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil has he done? And they cried out more, saying, Let him be crucified. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spoke again unto them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate, the governor, said unto them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were insistent with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed before Pilate. Jesus is to die. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands from the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. He released unto them that for insurrection and murder was cast into prison whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And so Pilate, willing to satisfy the people, released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered Jesus to be crucified. I'll take a minute here. I found a a paper for those that... um, I will not watch it again. I watched it once. Um, Passion, uh, the one that uh, Mel Gibson did of Jesus Christ. And uh, it was way too brutal for me and uh, way too, uh, too graphic and, too, too, um, and also way too Catholic. <laughs> uh, but I did find an interesting article here called The Roman Crucifixion Methods, What Did Jesus Endure? Now, there's, for, for those who have studied this many times, there's, there's a lot of different uh, ideas and thoughts about it. So this is only one of, of more than, than um, of the ones that are out there. Crucifixion is believed to be the worst kind of death that has ever been invented. What was it like? What did Jesus have to endure so that you and I could have eternal life? Perhaps the most cruel, vindictive, torturous death anyone at any time in history could have ever experienced was to be crucified. There is nothing that even remotely close to such a barbaric death penalty as crucifixion was. The Romans had stolen the idea from the ancient Persians, and Alexander the Great introduced the idea to the Greek Empire. But these forms of death were given only to pirates and the worst criminals. In the Roman Empire, the crucified person would be left hanging on the cross um, for several hours of torture. They were crucified completely naked, well above the ground, and usually on main thoroughfares and on high ground so that everyone could see the penalty for committing crimes or insurrection. It was meant to be a deterrent and Jesus, at Jesus' crucifixion, which took place on Golgotha, and that's the place of the skull, there must have been thousands who witnessed it. The chances for survival were next to impossible. The condemned criminals had to carry their cross to the place of execution. Contrary to what is depicted by artists, Jesus likely only carried the cross arm called the patabellum because of the upright post called the 
called the, the stripes, which generally sat in the ground already ready to be used over and over again since there was a shortage of trees in the area. And the Romans did not like spending a lot of time with crucifixions. Jesus carried his heavy beam, which would have been uh, rough and splinter laden to cause even more pain. It must have been about seven or eight feet long and around one foot wide and, and at least a half a, a foot thick. It would have weighed around 100 pounds or more. The fact that Jesus struggled to carry it and needed help was not due to the, to the weight, but because of Jesus' scourging by the Romans who had beaten him to a bloody pulp. He would have lost so much blood by that time that he was carrying it. He was unable to, uh, to make it to the entire distance. It should be noted that Jesus' uh, trade required great physical strength. Jesus must have been very strong. Man, because of carpenters in those days, had cut down uh, their own timbers, carry them a distance, cut them to size. Considering that some stone masonry was part of the carpentry at that time, this has meant that he must have had uh, to quarry and cut stones. Of, um, uh, understanding that Jesus was physically fit, very, very physically fit. When we read about the nails that are pierced in Jesus' hands and feet, those were not nails as we think of them. They were more like railroad spikes. They're much longer. They resemble what we could call garden spikes, and they were about three-quarters of an inch wide and about six to eight inches long. When they were driven through the hands of the feet, they were hammered flat on the backside of wooden beams so that they would keep their impaled victim in place. These nails were not driven into the hands, but actually into the wrist. The nails, which were <clears throat> the nails, which must be like railroad spikes, but because of the wrist, were considered to be part of much longer. The hand and the palms of the hands were insufficient to hold the weight of the person. There were enough tendons to support the the body weight of a man if these were driven through the wrist between the radius of the and ulna, which is where these had to be hammered in order for him to hold up on the cross. As for the feet, they drove one large nail like a railroad spike, through the top of the middle of the feet. They were hammered through both feet. And they bent the knees at the victim. The victim would have had to push themselves up to breathe, which produced excruciating pain. The feet may have rested on the uh, footrest. Um, they got a name for it, but I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But it's unknown if Jesus had one of these. Scourging. We know that... Um, This is part of what was, and we'll read that here again in a little bit. Scourging was just part of Jesus' punishment. It was more of a severe beating. It was more than a severe beating. It involved whips of lashes made of leather throngs, which were attached to a handle. These throngs contained metal fragments, pieces of bone, and literally tore the flesh off of Jesus. Jesus was scourged. It was recorded to say when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, purple robe, Pilate said to him, Here is the man. And he probably was not recognizable because of all the scourging. Even with this bloody pulp of a man, they still screamed, crucify him. They also attached a crown of thorns that were likely one to two inch thorns of briar that were hard as oak. And they likely penetrated not only through the skin, but parts of the skull bone. They would have caused a great loss of blood and created severe hemorrhaging of the brain tissue. By the time that Jesus went to the cross, he had pieces of his flesh hanging off of him and he had large open wounds that bled profusely. He must have also been unrecognizable because of an Isaiah uh, re records this. 
just as many were as astonished in Isaiah 52, 14, at you, my people. So his appearance was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. What this is saying was that he didn't even look human anymore and was so marred that no man was able, uh, ever, um, no man has ever reduced to this pulverized piece of flesh that Jesus was. One more thing, the humiliation. Jesus was spit upon, his beard was plucked out, his teeth were likely beaten and broken, and they ridiculed him, laughed at him to scorn, mocked him, feigned him, and all the while putting him in open shame. All the while Jesus was silent, never raised his voice, never tried to resist. Let's pick it back up before Pilate, crown of thorns. Then the soldiers and the governors led Jesus away uh, into the common hall called Praetorium, gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. They stripped him, they clothed him with a purple rub, robe, and they had a twisted crown of thorns. They put it on his head and a reed in his hand, right hand, and they bowed their knee before him and mocked him and said, Hail, hey, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. They spit upon him. They took the reed and they struck him on the head. Before Pilate, final decision. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. And chief priests therefore and the officers saw him. They cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by, no, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall and said unto Jesus, From where are you? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Do you not speak unto me? Know you not that I have power to crucify you and have power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me except that were given you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you has the greater sin. And from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, uh, Gabbatha, and it, was a and it was the preparation of the Passover, about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. And then they delivered him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away before Pilate. Jesus is mocked. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from him, put on his clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. This next section is called The Darkest Day. The Son of God is crucified. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, coming out of the country, the father Alexander and Rufus. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And as they led him away, on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. There followed him a great company of people and of women 
which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the, day are, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never, never bore, and the breasts which never nursed babies. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For, they do not, for if they do these things in, in a green tree, what shall they do in a dry? And there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. They bring him bearing his cross into the place called Golgotha. In the Hebrew, that is to say, a place of the skull, which is called Calvary, which they crucified him. And the two criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left, and Jesus in the middle. And they gave him a drink to drink wine or sour wine mingled with myrrh, gall. And when they had tasted, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was the third hour, and they crucified him. And then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts, and parted his, his garments to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be filled, which said, They parted my garments among them, and for my clothing they did, they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Sitting down, they watched him there, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. Writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests and the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate said, What I've written, I've written. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, and he was numbered with the transgressors. They had passed by, hurled insults on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you that destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. If you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And the people stood beholding the rulers also with them and scoffed at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself. He be Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him sour wine and saying, If you be the king of the Jews, save yourself. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders said among themselves, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from that cross that we may see and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him hurled insults on him. And one of the criminals which were hanged hurled insults on him, and saying, If you be Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly I say unto you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus provides for his mother. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. Jesus dies on the cross. It was about the sixth hour. And from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, crying, Eli, Eloi, Eloi, lamna sabachnie, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, behold, he calls for Elijah. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was a set of vessels full of sour wine, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine, put it on his reed and put it to his mouth. And he gave it to him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. The rest said, Let him be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. When Jesus therefore had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. When Jesus had cried again with a loud voice, he said, Father, under your hands I commend my spirit. And having thus said, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. He gave up the ghost. And the sun was darkened, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two in the middle, and from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly. And when the centurion which had stood opposite him saw that he had cried out and gave up the the ghost, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Truly this was the Son of God. And all the people that came together at that sight, beholding the things which were done, struck down their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintances and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off beholding those things among whom was Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the less of Joseph, Salome, and the mother of Zebedee's children, who also, whom he uh, was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women, which came up with him into Jerusalem. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation of the body, should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath, that was the Sabbath day, was a high day, besought Pilate that his legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers, broke the legs of the first uh, and the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already, and they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers, with a spear, pierced his side, and at once came out blood and water. And they that saw it bore witness, and his witness is true, and he knows that he says true you might believe. For these things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled. 
a bone of him shall not be broken. And, again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. The burial of Jesus. After this, when the evening was come, because it was preparation time, or prepara- uh, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, behold, there was a rich man of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, named Joseph, a prominent council member, a good man and just. The same had not consented to the purpose and deed of them, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. And being the disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, came and went boldly unto Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled and marveled that he were already dead. And calling unto him uh, the centurion, he asked him whether he had been already dead. And when he knew that it was the centurion, Pilate gave him permission. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered to Joseph. And he came, therefore, took the body of Jesus. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, wherein was never a man yet laid. He brought fine linen, and when Joseph had taken the body uh, down, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, and about a hundred pounds of weight, And then they took the body of Jesus, wound it in linen cloths with the spices after the manner of the Jews is to bury. There they laid Jesus, for the tomb was near at hand, and rolled a great stone unto the door of the tomb and departed. The day was the preparation of the Sabbath and drew near. And I'm going to skip down here to this, this one here, which is Pilate places a watch at the tomb. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that deceiver said while he was yet alive. After three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the tomb be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night. And steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and securing a guard. And we know that no tomb was able to hold our Savior, Jesus Christ. In conclusion, we're coming to the Passover. It's time to be reflective. It's time to think about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's time to, to renew our covenant. Remember that blood that's shed is a covenant relationship that we have with him. It's time for us to think about um, what he taught us about humility. As he knelt down and washed all of the disciples' feet, including the one that betrayed him, Judas Iscariot. It's time that we come, and it's time again that we come to proclaim his death as we keep this Passover service.